Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cast of Caw, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my quartet, the man who GoPro can't keep down, the one and only DJ. I mean, just throw it in a wimple and toss it to the bugs. <laughs> I mean, you are the IT version of the bugs, right? Like, you just got in there, you did your thing, you sang your little <laughs> Do- DJ song. Doctored it all up. Yes! Yeah. And then what do you know? You were, you found a workaround. GoPro cannot stop you. Not even with all their, <laughs> you know, planned obsolescence. There, There's no stopping DJ. Yeah, yeah, if you're wondering what the hell we're talking about. Probably. Um, <laughs> GoPro, as you probably well know, have, have released like a new camera almost every year for the last 10 years. So they've started to um, deprecate their older cameras from the app and so on. Uh, so if you were, uh, you know, a proud user of a GoPro 4, you may find that you log into the app and you can no longer Wi-Fi connect to your GoPro because so it might not shady. be supported anymore. And it's like, well, you know, it's kind of our fault as consumers when you think about it. But we'll save this discussion for after the show. Okay. All right. We can get, we can get, I mean, I'm ready to get angry and talk about right to repair. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) John Deere, that's looking at you, buddy. (laughs) All right. So back to the dark tower. Our plan for this episode is we're going to kick off the show with an in-depth conversation about the little sisters of Illuria sections three and four. And we'll close out the show with our listener question. All right. DJ, for those people who are joining us for the first time and have hopefully done the reading, can you please let our listeners know what our spoiler policy is here? I mean, I will grab those black bells and ring them loud and clear when we are about <laughs> to crawl into the spoiler zone. Mm, well played, sir. Well played. You are a <laughs> profesh. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into this. Where did we leave off DJ? If you remember, guys, uh, Roland had rolled into this town where he uh, met up with some green goblins who beat the crap out of him and <laughs> left him for dead. Mm-hmm. And then he wakes up with the sound of bugs and he's hanging from a weird thing in a dark uh, office, doctor's office. So, I don't know, whatever. Hospital? Um, hospital, <laughs> question mark, uh, room, uh, a monastery. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and so uh roland's kind of drifting in and out of sleep and he sort of is dreaming of susan and then he opens his eyes and sees these older ladies and first of all um what exactly is a wimple so a wimple is the head part of a nun's habit now they're pretty simple when you when you think of a nun and they just have sort of like the white band with the black kind of veil but the, over the you know history of nuns they've taken all kinds of shapes like there's like the flying nun where it's like a like almost like an origami kind of thing on their head and my understanding is that's definitely more in keeping with what these little sisters are wearing it's sort of the like almost headdress of nuns like completely covers your completely covers your hair and it's kind of like this big sort of shape that's created okay because i'm i was looking like online for different Mm -hmm. examples of this and the one I really thought was goofy and fun was like sort of the flying nun one where it's like probably a good half a foot or a foot on either side of your yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what they're wearing, like, right? Don't you think? I, I don't know. I, I was 
and this is my fault. I should actually just Google the comic book and see what the approved Stephen King look is for these ladies. Um, but basically, they're all wearing um, these nun nun hats, which uh, apparently are called wimples. Uh, learn something new every day, and they've got bells hanging from them. And as Roland's like kind of looking at him, he's he's sort of describing their face as though they're. At first, he thinks Aria, but like. He realizes right away that they're wearing sort of a witch's makeup, I guess is the best way to describe it. Their their faces are sort of like they look old, but they also look young for mm-hmm. a moment. It's like out of the corner of your eye, you can almost catch the fact that they're they're not um these like good looking ladies. And we basically get an introduction to these ladies with their names. Um what is it? It's uh Mary Louise um camera and i'm drawing a blank Coquina. on the other two michaela we're missing michaela yes oh michaela there you okay okay yep all right so they introduce these and there's a question i had for you because um one of them when uh she's introduced is is introduced with the title of one in 20 what exactly she's does trying that mean? to say that she's 21 years old oh yeah. okay okay but obviously i mean it's of, a joke well, because she's obviously ancient Okay. All right. I was so confused by that because they like said one in 20 and I'm like, is this like some sort of, uh, you know, one child in 20 is the good one or something like that. And I, yeah, no, no, no. She's trying to say, she's like, I am one in 20. It's like kind of old timey speak. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. That's what I wanted to follow up on. So basically they get introduced and like Roland, as he's describing these ladies, as he catches them sort of between their glams is like, 80 would look young for Mm -hmm. this lady and like keeps up in the age and and then he kind of like reminisces about Rhea and like his first introduction to an actual witch and and sort of points at these characters so it's it's a it's kind of like a disturbing but also like very proper looking set of ladies yeah and I'm looking at your the chat right here you posted a picture of the wimples yep that's these aren't quite as dramatic as I was thinking but that looks good that's uh like kind of the headdress thing that goes off to the side and then drapes mm-hmm. down and around. Correct. Yeah, it looks really cool. And I I don't know that I had visualized properly how the bells sit, but they're almost kind of like a crown. Yeah, yeah. Looks cool. Hmm. Yeah, it does look cool. Um, So since this is a podcast medium, the bells in the comic book are situated yeah. across the forehead. And then the uh, drapery of the nun's like kind of crown sort of goes down over their shoulders and they have that weird, um, I believe you saw it in uh, the Christmas story where uh, Scrooge has one of his friends has the thing that wraps around the bottom of his neck and comes oh. back up. <laughs> yeah. And that's part that's of their headdress. So. Where this was going. I'm like. Hmm. I, that, was, that was a long road <laughs> no, to somewhere. I, but I, I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But in that case, he has like a weird bandage thing on. Yeah. But I think modern nuns have a version of this where it just sort of it's the thing that goes all the way under their chin and around their head. All right. Back on track. So uh, after the ladies are introduced to Roland, he's like kind of he knows what they're about. Like these look like witches. This like kind of young, beautiful girl wanders up uh, and shoes the nuns off. And this is where we get introduced to Jenna, which is like uh, apparently like uh, she has dark one dark curl that's escaped the front of her uh whipple and like 
Roland immediately sees this and is like, mm-hmm. he gets like all worked up. And like just one. And this is a weird thing. Like, I don't think in any of these, any of these books, there's been a moment where Roland's like, I lusted for her hair. Um, <laughs> I can't think of any, but maybe I mean, I'm wrong. Like I didn't know he was a hair guy until like just Well, this I mean, moment. think about how he was about Susan's hair. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, let's pause for a second. Okay, let's pause maybe you're for a right. Because I got some things about to say about the the five sisters, and also it leads into the whole Jenna thing. So, okay, so obviously, as you mentioned, the first thing that happens when he wakes up is he sees these witches, and he immediately thinks that they're Rhea, which does a couple of things like it paints a picture of what these women look like underneath their glamour but also when you're comparing someone to Rhea it's clear that they're not just old that they're it's it's a way of telling us that these people are evil like they code as evil if they look like Rhea in that moment he is horrified but also like feelings of guilt uh, about susan like rise immediately to the surface and if you think about it, at the beginning of wizard of glass when he when the memories of susan come back to him they like shock him and knock him to his knees whereas here they're mm-hmm. so there's they're still so totally uncompartmentalized uncom- um, that they're right below the surface and it's just a good contrast of who he is at this point in the story versus who he is by the time we get to Wizard and Glass, the surrounding story, obviously not the not the story within the story. The other thing that he notices, along with the wimple that we didn't talk about, is that the little sisters wear the sigil, they wear your favorite flower, the red rose on their chest, which is the sigil of the Dark Tower. And I was kind of wondering what you think the significance of that is, like um, that these women have these big red roses on their chest. Well, <sighs> I don't know, honestly. What I, I mean, later on, like if we want to jump ahead a little bit, I think I could like link it to that moment with the uh, guy. In okay, the so you're adjoining... picking up on the same thing I'm picking up on. I think. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's okay, that's okay, kind of okay, what okay. I was thinking <laughs> because, like, it's instead of so with a nun, like normally there is no right. color, right? Black and white. You know, like it's black and white and it's meant to be non-showy. So the only reason you would add like a vividly red Mm -hmm. rose onto someone is if that was like really part of their thing. And then, you know, what, you know, you've heard of like blood roses and stuff like that. It's like, well. Well, see, I was thinking like I think modern nuns have like a cross there, right? And so uh, they normally don't they wear the rosary? They don't have it yeah, embroidered onto their clothing. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Because you want to keep it close to your heart, right? Right, 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 right. Hmm. And I might be incorrect. Like someone I mean, who knows way more about Catholic, um, you know, uh, whatever, Seguls. <laughs> <Tell me. laughs> the other thing we have here is we get a little bit of a new motif. This time category is birds. The first time birds. they speak to Roland, they flutter like birds. Uh, they're a flock kind of like a white murder of crows when they mock oh. Roland, they laugh uh the others laugh bird like titters that rose into the dimness like ribbons and when they leave when they get sent away which we'll get into with all that she led the others away five white birds flying off down to the center aisle down the center aisle their skirts nodding this way and that but okay <laughs> anyway let's move on let's talk about jenna because i have some thoughts about jenna too Okay, so uh, uh, basically Jenna, like, chased these other biddies off, and Roland realizes that she's actually the only one that is 
could be one in 20, you know, not not old and yeah, and uh, wearing a glam. And uh, he immediately kind of has some like lusting for her when he sees her. He thinks yeah. of her. He's like, oh, oh, I haven't felt this way about a lady since, uh, you know, when my missus died. And so, like, it's kind of this moment where you see Roland as a man again, kind of having urges. And then he sort of chats with her a little bit. She explains the significance of that um, uh, amulet that he's wearing, not as to what it's doing, but that he needs to keep wearing it and that it's dangerous for him to take it off. Mm -hmm. And if anybody asks, you know, that kid next to you is your brother. (laughs) Right. And, and so we don't know for sure whether it's, the symbol on the medallion or if it's the metal of the medallion or what exactly is is protection Mm -hmm. in that thing but it is providing some sort of protection and it almost appears that uh, as my understanding jenna put it on him Mm -hmm. so she kind of has a little bit of you know um love for roland not maybe not love but like Sympathy, is yeah. Sympathy, maybe even a little intrigued. Like, uh, yeah. what's that thing that used to happen to, to nurses and patients, like the Florence Nightingale syndrome? Oh, interesting. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, and so, like, she actually, uh, uh, I don't know, sort of, like, has a, maybe a baby crush on him, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, because they then, talk about how pretty he is, so I think he's still, like, looking good. Yeah. <laughs> And then we we get a little bit of explanation of of the dude that's kind of like off in the distance, uh, the guy with the mangled legs that we heard heard a little yeah. bit about. Let's pause before we get into him because that's when we we meet the doctors really okay. quickly. Just Jenna is interesting because she is very much introduced to us and described to us through a framework of Susan. Including that this is the first time, like you said, the first time that he has been attracted to someone since Susan. And so as she's presented to us, it's all through similarities and and contrasts from Susan. There's like that same instant attraction. Um, they immediately start finding ways to touch each other. He longs to touch her hair, like how Roland was like looking at Susan's beautiful blonde hair and wanting to touch it. But then at the same time... She's very physically the opposite of Susan in that she has she's very dark, right? She has Susan had this long, straight, pale blonde hair. She and she's sort of like sun kissed from being like outdoorsy and very, you could say, like natural. Um, whereas this uh, Jenna has a very unnatural beauty. She's pale with dark, curly hair. Goth girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so he has this kind of instant thing where he wants to see her hair and there's just a lot of parallels between these two things for instance when we meet jenna we see that she has this kind of connection alongside these crones that are very real like the other thing is is we we know that she has a cold touch which is very different than sort of the warm interactions that she he had with susan and i think even though it's described as a, a soothing cold touch, there is a little bit of a warning sign, I think, in the fact that her touch is cold. So something to maybe keep in mind as we keep going. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, yes. So before we meet the doctors, uh, Jenna's kind of like um, hinting around at what the doctors do and the the facility itself and how it actually works and like 
she kind of sort of says, you know, that they're um, that they they used to be like a hospital type facility. And like Roland's like, well, are you with the the Jesus man? Right. And she's like, oh, no. And like you, you get the biggest like backpedal. Heck no. Not one of those people. Right. Dang. And it's like underlined three times almost. And so it's interesting because, you know, you have these nun-esque people wandering around but like the last thing they would want to ever be associated with is uh the jesus man so <laughs> that's a super interesting a moment <laughs> and, and then also before we reveal the uh the doctors um we also find out that while the doctors are good at at mending people they're not good enough and there are things that they can't mend and jenna kind of points this out by like pointing at her her stomach and so it led me to believe that maybe there's some internal damage and the doctors are more or less good at fixing external damage yeah it's like their their repairabilities are very superficial yeah and we also kind of get a picture too of what roland looked like when he came into this yeah Um, this is wild and this is like Basically, uh, they played with him for a long time, and he was, like, stripped of skin all over his body and, yeah. and like, pretty torn up. And she's like, you must have really made him mad because they didn't just kill you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, and so you just imagine, like, these guys, like, out there trying to keep Roland alive and filleting him at the same time. And then... Uh, you also kind of get an idea of the interaction between these um, faux nuns, I guess, mm-hmm. and the green people in that they asked them to stop and they did. And then they were able to collect Roland and bring him back. Yeah, that's a really which, good point. Which is interesting because like Roland then asks, like, do they always listen to you? And she said, well, not always, but often, you know. And so that means that there is some sort of either hierarchy or on the level um, between these two groups. Uh, And if, you know, I don't know about you, but if a a zombie in a bowler hat is like, well, I'll listen to those guys because they're formidable. Yeah. That that puts you in a different realm than yeah. you know, a, a friendly uh, a friendly person at the supermarket or whatever. Yeah, I mean it's getting a little head ahead of ourselves, but there we find out more about find out more about the way that the green folk are interacting with people, which makes leads me to believe. And I don't know, maybe you'll disagree. Maybe you know more. I don't know, but like I kind of got the impression that they maybe were responsible for whatever went down in that town. Um, mm, and if that's maybe. the if I'm okay it, either way if that's the case it's interesting to me that the nuns at the very least even if they aren't bossing around which we now know they to some degree have that kind of clout they still feel perfectly comfortable like going outside and gardening yeah um yeah. and if you were if there were radioactive mutants that were like clubbing people to death <laughs> on the regular uh and you felt totally fine going outside to like trim the flowers and collect herbs right i feel like that tells you it's a subtle way of telling you a lot about the dynamic dynamic and the sense of their their sense of security uh, and uh, around that kind of situation yeah and that that's why i wanted to really uh dig in on that is because it's 
you know, if you're just like an elderly lady with a glam on your face, like, right? You got to you're not going to be able to just wander around to these like crazy iClub people and I don't know what happens to them next sort of monsters right exactly you gotta have there's gotta be a next level thing going on there Mm -hmm. um so roland like this whole time is is sort of watching that guy across the way and and seeing him sort of move but not move and also feeling his own self move and then not move and roland really wants to know what these what the doctors are and so finally he convinces uh jenna to to show him and she's like but first you have to promise not to scream and so she rings her bells and the reveal is that his legs are moving but it's these bugs that are crawling across his legs and marching down and to the ground and forming a line and sort of like rinsing and repeating as they like wander up and down this guy's body to like fix his wounds yeah and roland at first is like really holding back an actual scream because it's so horrifying but then he starts to think about um the time in which he lives and the type of medicine that's been applied in the past <laughs> he's like you know uh leeches are way preferable to being trepanned so yeah. you know maybe i mean that's he's not, not wrong <laughs> like drill a hole in your skull to relieve pressure or put some leeches on your face slap some leeches uh, on there and so i mean I, I don't know uh describing these um he said they're they moved like ants, mm-hmm. but their torsos were the size of bumblebees. Pretty gross. Which is kind of puts you into almost like a. Are you familiar with June bugs? Uh, I mean, like I'm familiar with the concept of June bugs, but they don't have them here. But I'm oh. looking them up. Hold on, June bug. If you if you're from the Midwest, and some of you may be, um, and you've ever been hit by a, a quarter sized June bug. Ooh. They they have like grippy claws Ew! and moving arms, and they're they're mostly harmless. But the, the feel grippy, of one though. crawling on you is the worst. And their uh, shell is pretty tough, so they can really hurt when they come flying at you at full speed. And, and so when I'm visualizing this, I'm almost visualizing like a flightless June bug <laughs> crawling uh, across this guy's body, uh, mending him. And we also get like a little bit of a hint of what motivates them because they do react to those bells that are on her head. Mm-hmm. And so as of yet, we don't know what the significance are of the bells, but correct me if I'm wrong. When he entered the town initially, weren't there bells strung across? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I wanted to also circle back on that because Maybe these doctors aren't just in the hospital. I mean, I kind of wonder, was there a point in which they, this was not, you know, a lair. It was literally a hospital and something came along and corrupted it. So that that's why you would see uh, evidence of it as more of a religion throughout the town. Ah, okay. I mean, I don't know. That's the, this is my conjecture. Just based on the way that religion was talked about at the beginning of this, about how the world had moved on and how religion had been corrupted. And like eventually it always connects uh, worship with blood and like God gets its blood. I wonder if I wonder if that's kind of the case here where there was a time where this was 
a legit kind of hospital that was run, you know, like a, a like, you know how there are Catholic hospitals to this day. Like, I wonder if this is kind of that sort of thing, but it's just the world moves on and then it turns into this. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I just I, I thought it was significant that the bells are in town. Oh, yeah. And the bells seem to control the the these doctor bugs. Yeah, I guess that's true. And like, so that was the main main thing is like, I don't know about the other stuff you're talking about. Uh -huh. it, it could be true. And that sounds like a, a good yarn. But the main thing is, is like, there's got to be some kind of tie in between what goes on in the town and the bells. Yeah. And like if the if the doctor bugs actually fix people, what has kept them from, you know, jumping onto the green guys and just repairing them? Interesting. So, so like it's how they're like kind of it's almost like they're corralling these bugs. Yep, exactly. Interesting. So my, yeah, my yeah, loop yeah, I like here this. is to loop you all the way back to like the bells are strung up, but maybe the green guys strung them up to keep the bugs off of them. Oh, that's interesting. I don't, you know, that might I mean, be I conjecture. Was it I could know. be like fences, essentially, right? Like yeah, that's exactly. how the because maybe the bugs would wander. Like, how do you keep your flock of doctor bugs? Was bell was bell fences. Yep, exactly. Mm. Now you're picking up what I'm putting down. I am. I like it. I, I don't know if any of this is, is fact or fiction. Eh, this is cares? probably just <laughs> some weird conspiracy I'm I'm cooking up. But I, like I like it. I like it though. <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting because you know if you think about the the green men, they're they're like they're kind of alive, but they're obviously infected. Mm -hmm. And you know if Roland was like almost completely skinned yeah. and these bugs can like rebuild that then surely someone who's been you know mildly zombified might be able to be yeah repaired mm. so, i don't know i've also got a, a non non-collaborating theory to go okay <laughs> go, go with that when we get to the the further section okay but uh, i'll i'll save that for a little bit later okay so so we kind of dived into the bugs we dived into the guy next door yes and and then Jenna, like, basically looks at Roland and realizes, like, you did a good job. You could tell you really wanted to scream, but you didn't. So thanks, you know. Yeah. And then basically we find out that that medallion that's on Roland's neck, he had it with him, but she put it on him. And mm -hmm. he best not take it off for his sake. Yeah. Which, which means that, like, she is sort of protecting him and has, like, oh, a, sure. a like for him. And then Roland kind of like still, even after that shock of seeing, you know, these gnarled tree trunk legs being um, consumed by bugs is like, I got to see your hair. I got to see your hair. And like Jenna, like in a strange way is like, am I pretty? You think I'm pretty? Am I pretty? You know, yeah. Uh, Lying at a close range is like, I don't remember the exact term, but it's, it's like, you know, don't flatter me if it's not real. And like Roland's like, show me your hair. And so finally the sisters are trying to call her away. Like you've been talking to that guy long enough. And, and she like quickly like shows him her hair and Roland's like, you are beautiful. Oh my and God. And she's just like, you know, like I imagine she blushes and goes, Dee! And then, like, scurries off down the hallway. <laughs> Scurry being the operative word, yes. I try to stick to my bug metaphors. I like we, it. I like you it. You pointed at the uh, the bird metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't 
know how to feel about Jenna. She makes me uncomfortable. Like, I get that she's kind of an ally here, but um, I, don't, I just, I don't know. I just don't trust it. But, okay, I now I know why you couldn't answer me last time about the bugs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this makes sense. So you mentioned that Roland resists screaming, but he almost does. He's almost unable to hold it back because he's mm-hmm. so disturbed by the doctors, um, which he finds to be more upsetting than leeches. I don't know. Leeches are pretty upsetting, but whatever. It's it's still just kind of strange to see Roland rattled to this degree where he's like having difficulty holding back a scream of terror i mean he didn't even scream when the thinny ate like hella people you know (laughs) so i i i was thinking about this and i think it's more about the fact that he is so physically vulnerable right now that he can't stop what's happening to his body right to know that there's these things all over his body and he can't do like he's someone who is very connected with being extremely capable and uh self-protection Obviously, he failed the slow muties, but whatever. But I think that to some degree, that's really what this is about, is that he's actually just really feeling vulnerable. Um, I mean, I would scream if I saw a bunch of bugs, but that's very much within my character. Um, (laughs) The other thing is, is she knows that Roland is a gunslinger, which is interesting. He gives her his true name. And that's another thing that really mirrors the arc that he had with Susan just on a very, very sped up trajectory. Mm -hmm. And like Susan, she hid his guns and she has possession of these hidden guns and she's doing so to obscure his identity, his true identity from the would be protagonist or the antagonist of the story. It's just a lot of sped up parallels to Susan. I guess my question is, we know she's lying to the other sisters about Roland, and Roland senses that puts her life in danger. Why do you think she's doing this? Is it just like a weird puppy love thing, like you were saying? What do you think that's about? Uh, So this is like the the most regular trope of the monster's den with the young young monster still like learning to be a monster mm. uh so this sort of like i guess um what's that uh bad adam sandler cartoon that was all the rage about like four or five years ago with the dracula and oh right you're talking about like the like kind of like the adams family type of yeah thing. it was like sort of an adams family type of thing but uh, um in that case it was uh I don't remember what this show is. Like, I want to say like Transylvania or something like that. But uh, regardless, um, there's a character in there and it's a, it's a Hotel really Transylvania. <laughs> Hotel Transylvania. Thank you. In Hotel Transylvania. And this is a weird, like, again, I'm, I'm spinning a strange web, but uh, the web. daughter in Hotel Transylvania, like all the rest of them are monster monsters, but she's sort of like fine in her way as a youth. And I mean, eventually, like it's a kind of a Disney esque story, so it doesn't go sideways. But like in a lot of these monster tales, the thing that happens is that the character, as they're trying to discover who they are, experiments with being like a good person or tries to like fight their inner urge. Mm, interesting. And, that and does so, not bode well for for Roland. Yeah. So the impression I get with her is that like. 
even though her nature is probably to be like those other ladies, it's sort of like the vampires that only drink like pig's blood, you know, yeah. or the like, um, or beasts that, you know, they only eat like freeze dried rabbits instead of like going out and hunting and, and murdering or whatever, you know, it's sort of that, like we've chosen to be civil or we like want to find our better selves. Right. Interesting. And so that's the feeling I get from her. Cause like, she's still not corrupted like the rest of those. Right. But she's in a group where it feels like it wouldn't take much for that turn to happen. Yeah, and that would explain also why she's like, do you really find that, find me beautiful? Is that she knows something about her own nature is monstrous. It's different. Yeah. Mm, I think you're on to something here. <laughs> Charton. Here, I didn't think I had anything to say about all this, and then like... You always <laughs> say that, and then we get into this, and you've got plenty to say. <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay, cool. So, I mean, that's what I have for this chapter. All right, so uh, Roland kind of, like, drifts off after Jenna's been called away. And he's kind of having, like, sort of a weird nightmare dream about the doctor bugs. Mm -hmm. And the bugs are kind of, like, the bug is flying at him, and he keeps, like, trying to bat at it. But it, it just keeps getting away over and over again, like, touching his face. And, like, finally, Gunslinger Instinct kicks in. And, like, in IRL, he, like, grabs what it is and it like turns out that it's one of the sisters with like a spoon yeah. uh teasing him in his sleep yeah and she's like kind of been poking at his face mm -hmm. as and, we come to learn she's literally playing with her food yeah 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 <laughs> oh yeah yeah exactly so uh it turns out it's a uh, sister i think coquina right yes so Sister Coquina is like there and is like, hey, Roland, you know, I've got some soup for you. And like uh, Roland's like, um, I, I appreciate the kindness that you're doing here, but um, I, I'm very fast. <laughs> so if there's any like if there's any funny business going on, just remember I'm real fast. Yep. 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 And she's like, whoa. And then like. Roland basically um, realizes that uh, this lady has sort of uh, loose conversational skills. Uh, yeah. I was trying so, to figure out if Coquina had some significance to it. I looked it up and it's like essentially like, it, it's like a the shell of a mollusk or the a kind of sedimentary rock. So I don't think so. so. Is it like she's dumb as rocks? Is that what you're maybe? Implying? Maybe there you go. See, I just needed you to make the connection. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've I've never heard the name Coquina. As yeah, a, I me thought neither. like maybe like it was a cocaine thing or something. I, real, that's funny. I kept in my notes, and I don't know what this says about me, but it kept auto correcting to Cochina, which is like dirty girl <laughs> <laughs> oh you cochina cochina <laughs> yeah all right so the first thing that she lets spill is uh is that uh, jenna has been sent away to um this cave i guess and like there's a fancy name for it i don't remember what it is but she's up there basically repenting until the sisters call for her again uh, so that's the first news. And then she realized she wasn't supposed to spill the beans on that. And when Roland kind of like catches the first thing, which was um, 
was her uh, kind of telling him about that. Uh, he's like, well, listen, you know, I won't tell him you were playing with my, with the food. <laughs> if, if you uh, don't get uh, Jenna in trouble for, you know, her talking to me and cause he, she basically threatens like, Hey, if you tell anybody, I told you this, like I could make it hard for Jenna just as easy if it's hard for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so she's not completely dumb, but then like she also slips and let's roll and know that she, that Jenna got her dark bells. Yeah. Which we don't know what that means, mm-hmm. but it kind of separates her right from the rest of the pack as sort of special, I guess, um or yeah. significant in some way that we're not quite aware of yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we're going to get a little more information in a minute from another character that adds to this picture i don't i don't total the puzzle has not come together but i'm getting the corner pieces i feel like i've got all the corner pieces and the dark bells i think at first he just kind of noticed they were different but now we've we've gotten confirmation from coquina that they mean something different and then the character we're going to meet in a minute confirms that she's different and so i think these are all definitely linked yeah so um I know you already know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm uh, I'm trying to make sure I'm cautious about my explanation. Uh-huh, but, uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. So like, Roland gets those two little nuggets out of her, and he kind of keeps it to himself. He doesn't let on that he caught all of this information that's been spilled out on the table. Yeah, and by promising that he won't tell uh, Sister Mary that um she was playing with him in his sleep that uh she won't make it hard for jenna so that sort of uh trade-off is is what's going on and then uh roland grabs the wait now now i got okay so what happened was does she hand him the soup there or does the boy wake up next so what happens was when he woke up um she was messing with him and that startled her and she dropped the soup but like Roland, Roland gunslinger reflex caught it so he okay, has okay. The i'm soup. sorry i messed up i i said the spoon he caught but you're right he caught the bowl yes so I only be- spilled like two drops so i have one question before we move on to the next scene so um so she sees how fast he is and they have that interaction that you described and i wonder in this moment do you think that she understands that he's a gunslinger or are we in a situation where the world has moved on so much that that she thinks of the gunslingers as something of legend um i mean i don't think so i'm guessing that if roland had been found with his guns she would know that they would all recognize him as a gunslinger got it but because really like and we we kind of flew past this and didn't talk about it but um roland like literally asked jenna like hey where are my guns at you know and like she's like we found you with no guns sir and and he's like oh man and that that thing right there is like what makes Roland the title gunslinger and then like the constant right. referral to the sandalwood grips and so on is part of the mythos and legend of these gunslingers. So to be absent that basically means to be like the Green Lantern without your ring mm-hmm. or you know, so you wouldn't assume anything of a, a person that was meant to be carrying these guns and isn't because they just look like a regular person. Then it's the guns that transform them into the thing, right? Right. 
Yeah. So even if like he's fast and catches the bull, like she probably just thinks he's fast. Yeah. I was thinking about this and I know it's, I don't mean whatever, but I, I was thinking about how when you watch all of the Star Wars like cartoons and everything, you realize mm-hmm. that in the first movies, the Jedi's are these things that few people know about and they just think they exist in legend. And then you watch all the cartoons and you're like, so 10 years ago, everybody knew about Jedi's and they were fighting an intergalactic war all over the place. And 10 years later, everyone's like, oh, the Jedi are a thing of men. I'm kind of getting that vibe from the gunslingers in this section. (laughs) Well, I guess I don't know. So with this, I don't know know how much time has passed from one to the other. I mean, presumably in a normal lifespan, it would be, what, 20 years max? Right? Uh, Maybe. But Um, but time moves differently. Time moves differently. And I wonder, does this, without getting into spoiler territory, tell us something? Um, I, I would like to say that t- 20 years is actually, um, longer than y- you'd think. Like if, if a great example, especially in like this oldie times type stuff, you remember in your hometown doing like many epic things that you were known for. You could quote unquote, and like during your time in said town or village or like city, there was a point in the world where everybody knew your exploits. If you were like that person. Right. (laughs) And like, that's on the tip of their tongue. But really, if you go back and visit that town 20 years later, there's probably going to be like one person that remembers you. If that, and like you, your fossil record for that town is almost completely wiped clean, except for, you know, a little dot in a old dusty yearbook that's laying on the thing or like a trophy case that has your name scribbled around somewhere in it or a commemorative bench. So like from that perspective, like if the gunslingers were already sort of like a legend, Mm -hmm. then it it wouldn't take very long for legend to turn into like myth. Right. That makes sense. And the my favorite thing to point out for this is actually um, the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the Dark Ages was just like one day someone stopped making concrete and then like no one knew how to make concrete when that guy passed away. And like the world just lost an essential technology for hundreds of years and people lived in rat infested, you know, horrible hobbles made out of, of logs and bricks stacked on top of each other. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's true. You're right. You're, you're turning me around like, on this. Yeah. And that's like only like a, probably like a, a century or so Yeah, worth of time. Like one city gets wiped out, a technology disappears. And like before long, everybody's living in like, you know, um, uh, feudalism. Yeah. Okay. All right. You, you've, you swayed me. You swayed me. All right. Let's get back to this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So bring, bringing back the thread, um, Roland's fast. Got that check. Uh, Coquina's spilled some, spilled some beans, but not some soup. <laughs> got yeah. that. Yep. 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 Um, and then she gets like sort of clever and it's like, then I guess, you know, who's this guy oh, next Tamara, to you. Another one of the nurses pops up. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so yeah, an, another lady pops up, like, just in time to miss the, like, reveal of, of Coquina's, like, little bits of information, and starts sort of, like, digging at Roland to figure out, you know, what the lie is, and, and, like, Roland doesn't know the kid's name next to him, but is like, 
Yeah, you, you think you think I w- wouldn't remember my own brother? <laughs> right. Like, well, then what's his easy name? And like, luckily, the kid wakes up just at this moment. Like, here's a little bit of the conversation, and is like, of course he'd remember my name. And then like, inserts name. Yeah. And you know, at that point, like, what are you gonna do? Like, they're like, well, we we can't catch him in a lie. And, like, this guy's already said it out loud, so, like, mm-hmm. we've lost that clue to pull on. Yep. Yep. They almost had him, too. They almost had him. <laughs> and so th- they kind of, like, huff and sort of storm off. And then we get this introduction to the the kid next to him. I think it's – it's is it James or John? John. So Roll- John. they think Roland's name is James, and this kid is named John. Yep. And so after they leave, like – Basically, they we get a little conspiracy where Roland talks to the kid, and you know R- Roland first of all like apologizes and says that this you know medallion that I'm wearing is rightfully yours, and I only had it with me to bring to someone who might own it, you know. And so like then we find out that okay the the boy and his brothers like were sort of this um like mercenary group, I guess that were uh i mean were, i think they were they were transporting uh you yeah. know future brides yeah and like food and equipment mm-hmm. and so on and they were like sort of the protection for that yeah I, I, maybe mercenary is the wrong term but like definitely like faux gunslinger-esque yeah i mean they're definitely like the maybe the muscle for the for people transporting although this kid is pretty young i guess he's like kind of roland's age in the in uh, wizard and glass well and they they fight hard mm-hmm. they, because they fight like brothers yeah it's a that's, <laughs> it's a sad moment yeah yeah and so we also get some reveals like uh basically their their caravan was bushwhacked by these green guys yep and uh there were way more people alive when this boy first got put into this doctor's office so to speak yeah this and, is th- there we need like a prequel just for this that's super creepy yep and so then we find out that like i think maybe 20ish people yeah made it out alive and each one as they got better they seemed to just go their own way uh-huh and like that's mysterious cuz they weren't in town mhm and then we also find out, like, I guess the brother that was in the trough, the reason he wasn't collected and brought back was because he was wearing the medallion. Yeah. So the boy actually does recognize the significance of this um, this medallion hanging around his, his neck. And he even says, like, I'm not sure whether it's the iconography on here or the the metal itself, but it's keeping me safe. Yep. And so we've gotten a ton of insight from this kid. We also uh find out that he knows a little bit more about Jenna and that Jenna is um is different from the rest of the girls. And like Roland's like, oh yeah, the rest of the girls are like witchish or whatever, and like the kid's like, No, no. They're real bad. Yeah. <laughs> these these guys are monsters, all of them except for Jenna. Mm-hmm. That's like Oh, okay. And so the nature that we had in mind, like being a bead to Rhea is, is completely wiped out. And now we sort of are of the understanding that these are more than just a Rhea. These are something else entirely. Right. They're unnatural. 
Yep, like not even human or whatever. Yeah. And then we also get a moment where um where, where Roland's like got the soup and we find out that it's not just um sleep in soup. Yeah. It's your body don't move in soup. Yeah, it's like a paralytic, yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was like an interesting way of of putting anesthesia down. So it's yeah. like <laughs> Yeah. And and so Roland, like, you know, you have to eat. So he's eating the soup and like the kids talking to him and he's slowly falling asleep. And like one of the last nuggets we get out of the kid is like, he's pretty much fixed up, <laughs> but yeah. like he's got the medallion on and like the, nothing's changed yet. So he's kind of like biding his time. Yeah, that I think maybe the creepiest. De- well, aside from what is about to occur, the creepiest mm-hmm. detail of this section is like his sort of cynical laughter as saying like i'm healed why do you think i'm still here like you realize this kid is trapped and Mm -hmm. what that means for roland you know it's it's a really great sort of creepy moment (sighs) i don't think we can wait much we don't i think we wait wait much longer we got to get into this pretty quick here um i'm trying to think well there's one more thing i want to want to mention before we move on to what happens next like Roland, as he's eating the soup and like getting sort of knocked out, realizes that they don't they miss miscalculated or maybe didn't understand like how strong of a manly man Roland oh, is. Oh yes, and so, <laughs> so virile. Yes, yeah. So while it didn't knock him out, it didn't completely knock him out, right. and he's still like in this sort of lucid consciousness where it's like Twilight. Mm-hmm. He can't necessarily move, but he's not completely unconscious either. So he's aware of his surroundings. Yeah, he's going to be super bummed. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I'm. I, I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like I've talked about all the things I want to talk about in this section. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's move on. I just wanted to touch on that. Yeah. Last no, that's an important detail. That's really important yeah. to get us to the next moment. Mm-hmm. And, and the next moment is these. Uh, I guess I'll call them night night nurses now because mm-hmm. that like that's used in the title yeah um they they roll into the room and kind of start chanting yes and ringing bells uh-huh. and uh they gather around the the man that was the reveal for the doctor bugs earlier yeah. and they chant around him mm-hmm. and roland like being somewhat conscious but like half asleep can hear the chanting and hear the slurping Ugh. and the giggling and the kisses. Oh God! <laughs> and and is like mortified to realize that you know he basically knows what's going on. This sucking sound and this is and as they're doing this, you kind of get one last moan from the gentleman over there. And Roland thinks to himself, this is the last time he'll make any noise on this side of the clearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, shoot. And so, uh, yeah, th- basically, th- they just sucked him dry. Yep. And uh, as they're coming back around, like, Roland sort of sees them and and is like, well, they, they have goatees now? No, no. This is, turns out you just have, like, blood dribbling down. It's really your- a good visual. You're just like, yeah, and there's a moment too where um I don't know if I'm imagining this, but I thought Mary like cupped some blood and like handed it around to the it rest was of the girls. Not blood. Oh. Oh. oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. 
oh, 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 damn, damn. Uh, good thing I like took that out of my head. <laughs> I wish wah, I wah, could. Wah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I couldn't help it. Uh, so um, the the ladies like kind of wander back over. And they like kind of you get a little bit of, of notice on um, that medallion Roland's wearing again, and like then there'll be kisses for him too, you know. Ugh. And like then Sister Mary reaches under the um, uh, the like bed robe or white robe that uh, Roland's wearing, and like gives him a hand job, and like. Then, like, grabs a pile of the man juice. No! Scoops it up, and I blocked this out before, but they apparently, like... a little like, bit of a buffet. Hand, hands it around as a, a flavorful uh, after-dinner after, after dinner dessert, so... Mm. Disgusting. And Roland is, like, mortified by this, but, like, still kind of... Um, still kind of, like, under the influence of these drugs, so it's not like he can really right. do anything, but... right. Now he's like, you know, I don't ever want to sleep again. Yeah, this one was this is a rough way to end this section. <laughs> so I, I want to circle back now that we've gotten to this part. Yeah. And lean back in on that rose. What I was kind of thinking was like in line with the color of the rose. Uh-huh. And, like, and, you know, you have well basically thorns or spikes or whatever in in a rose and then like it's the only color on them so they're basically like blood roses on the embroidery of Mm -hmm. their of their um nunnery clothing or or whatever yeah and so to me it's sort of like a mock mocking of religion and like yeah you know how like a lot of um vampire type stuff sort of like goes in parallel with religious iconography oh yeah definitely right but like it's you know the mirror image or the opposite or the evil version or whatever and so that's the impression i got out of this nun outfit is Mm. that like it's that sort of dichotomy where the red on the front of them is the crimson blood yeah also like also is a nod to the tower yeah yeah. Also crimson, you know, there's that. And then uh. like the church thing is and the uh are you a Jesus man person and like the adamant nose yeah. are like, oh, but maybe you follow the other guy. Yeah. Yeah, I can see all of that. Uh I have another layer to add to that. Um Ooh. which is I don't know why it took me so freaking long to realize that Roland is trapped in a spider's web. He's all wrapped up in a white silk cocoon. The walls are draped with white silk. All of this is very spider webby. So we're thinking like this is sort of an it analog? Perhaps. But also just the way that he is being preserved to be consumed. The way that everybody here is kind of like paralyzed and kept wrapped up in white. It's all Mm -hmm. very spider web. And so when you think about, which is hideous, I mean, I jumped immediately to vampire, but now I realize to some degree it's spider's web. And if you think about deadly spiders, they often have the red chest. Oh, do they? Like a black widow. 
we'll have um, that. Well, I know like one one class of spider has the hourglass on its abdomen. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is like a red sort of abdomen, right? Or I, oh, okay. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess maybe. they don't really have abdomen. What are they called? Like the maybe it's um, an their thorax. Yeah, thorax. And like right. So like a human's axe. chest would be their thorax. So they essentially have in the same spot. I think all the things that you said are absolutely dead on. But I think on top of that, it's sort of a parallel to killer spiders. Oh, that have yeah, lured, maybe. I mean, that that have lured them into their web and are preserving them to be consumed, uh, which is super, super upsetting. <laughs> so then are the if if that's the case, then let's revisit this bell thing. So then like when the bells ring, is that like the spider sensing the motion in their in their web to catch a prey? I mean, it is a little dinner bell. Mm-hmm. 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 So, so then one more question before we uh, wrap up, like how do you think, because we do get a hint that like when, when Jenna reveals the spider bugs, that they are sort of symbiotic with yeah. these ladies. Like you, if you're a, you're a blood-sucking um, nurse nun. Right. What, what exactly, what value do you provide these, like, these healing bugs? I mean, I feel like it's part of their, the way that they feed, right? Like, they, I don't know why they want to heal or have somebody be, maybe, because maybe there's more to, than it's just, like, the actual blood. Like, maybe they want that, like, vitality, Mm-hmm. so like but i don't i don't know you would know better than i do at this point i don't know i don't freaking know but that's my that's my that's my theory at this point is that the healing is about that there is more than just like literally like they enjoy the taste of hemoglobin like that there's some sort of supernatural aspect to it and 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 so they want them healthy when they're eaten or as healthy as can be. I don't know. I don't totally know. It may tie into the whole chanting thing, which we definitely want to talk about. Now, this is something that I would normally save for the connections to the Stephen King universe. But I think it makes the most sense to just go ahead and talk about it right now. Okay. So the sisters do this incantation before they eat the man in the bed. And what they are speaking is actually the language of the dead, which later on we'll get into like the tahin and stuff. but. In the book Desperation, I don't know if you've ever read that. Uh, probably not. Okay, so the chief sort of like ultimately we find out like the bad guy is this thing called Talk, which is this interdimensional demonic inter- uh, entity that lives okay. underground, and it speaks this language, the language of the dead, uh, and he's sort of the the main ba- like the big bad in both the in Desperation and the Regulators, and so this is kind of a larger Stephen King universe language. That, that that they speak um and i don't know what that tells us about them except for that they're extra dimin- like they're speaking the language of an extra dimensional creature which it was an extra dimensional creature so maybe you're uh, right okay. this is kind of an it spider thing i'm all about it me too <laughs> me too all right we got to talk about the scene um, the hand jump <laughs> Like, first of all, we get a fear boner. Is that a thing? You're a dude. Are, are fear boners a thing? Uh, I don't think it's as much of a fear boner as it is a, um, I just woke up. Mm. Okay, so, like, that makes sense. If you're, if, if you're of the male variety, it is not uncommon to be, like, half awake and fully awake. awake. <laughs> 
got it. For got like it. a good like ten or fifteen minutes, you know. Okay. In the AM. So my guess would be that is the implication here. Is okay. That it wasn't like he's like, This is so scary. Bloop. No. I don't know like, how all that works. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Could be I mean, it would like be, a fear and adrenaline boner. That could be a thing. I don't know. I, it's it would like evolution would suggest otherwise because like you probably get you a, have to yeah, yeah. Uh, draw blood and resources from the rest of your body. Yeah. Um. No, normally the reaction is actually that like a, um, a shrivel. It, yeah. Have you ever jumped into a pool? I have jumped into a pool, but not with a penis. Well, no, no, but that, that's fine. But it works both <laughs> ways. It works for men and women. Okay. One of the first things that happens when you jump into colder water is your body um, instinctively makes you, like, breathe deep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So you always, like, gasp for, for some reason. Like, it's just the, like, as soon as the cold hits you, like, you just instinctively do that. Well, for men, you gasp, but also, like, all of those parts tuck in as deep as possible to protect them. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and so, like, all your bits turtle a little bit. Oh, jeez! You know? and, and so that's why it's like. Remember that famous Seinfeld episode? The shrinkage. Like, the shrinkage. The it shrinkage. was shrinkage. Yeah, like that's like um, it's a, a common dude thing. So like, you just you, you know that that now you if you don't know now you know. Yep, yep. Learning things all the time. We're very educational. As po- I should I should definitely tag us as an educational podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing I was just going to say is that often in literature and movies, blood drinking is a metaphor for sexual assault. And uh, leave it to King to make it literal in this case. Is it? I did not know that. Yeah, because it's like all about penetration and um, non-consensual seduction, things like that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. all right so not fear boner aside what are your overall thoughts of this chapter i mean we're still moving along at kind of a snail trail pace Mm -hmm. (laughs) gross 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 (laughs) 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 sorry (laughs) that was gross oh but like we did get introduced to more characters um we got like some good world building here we found out that the slow muties are more complex than we thought they were and have their own agenda um we got kind of a insight into the group dynamics of these weird nuns Mm -hmm. and then we find out like the reveal basically that they're vampiric in nature or something you know vampire adjacent uh so that's also interesting and then like the bug thing mm-hmm. like it feels it does sort of feel like in this short story Stephen King wanted to pull on as many gross threads and weird threads as possible to just get into your psyche a bit <sighs> success mission success <laughs> yeah. yeah like uh it's one thing when you're uh going back through the um dark tower series and like there's a sexy scene you forgot about, yeah. but like it hits you again and you're kind of fine yeah. with it. This one was like Ooh. out of nowhere. Cause I wasn't expecting Ooh. it. You're like, wait, wait, what, what? Whoa, whoa. Hey, whoa. Uh, yeah. And it's so gross. It's just so the gross. I mean, it's meant to be, you know, but, uh, yeah. Stephen King writes a really gross, sexy, sex scene. While being like kisses for him. Kisses, <laughs> kisses. 
Yes. <laughs> what about you, Rachel? Yeah. How did you feel about this? Uh, I thought it was a really creepy section. I thought uh, I, I, it's because this is kind of a short story. This is sort of the middle bit, right? Like we're about to get into the final act um, in our final reading of this. And so it's laying a lot of groundwork and offering a lot of new mystery and i think all of that was done really well the realization that this is all just a giant spider's web was terrifying for me i thought there were some really creepy beats upsetting way to end the reading but uh which i didn't super super love that but the rest of it i was pretty into i definitely do not trust jenna i mean i'm having a lot of anxiety around everybody except for john and i think john is probably not long for this world i don't know we'll see so my conspiracy theories going to the next episode are and I don't know if these are potential spoilers in case I'm right, uh, but I don't <laughs> know that these are just things that I'm expecting. I think we're probably going to see the end of John, and uh, I think we're going to find something very upsetting underneath those nuns' habits. Like, Jenna's desire to be pretty makes me feel like there's something monstrous hanging, hiding under the habit. That's Don't tell me. That's, I could totally... That's wild conjecture on my part, but... I just, I don't know, side eyer. Maybe it's because I just feel like it's too soon and I'm very loyal to Susan. I don't know, but I just do not trust this Jenna character. Hmm. <laughs> okay, we'll see what happens next week. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. All right, cool. So Stephen King Connections already covered that. Don't really have any Stephen King news. I started watching Chapel Wait and reading Billy Summers. Both of them I'm enjoying, but I'll have more thoughts when we get when I finish each of them. I also started we're like in a like a renaissance of Stephen King content, like whatever like format of media you want to consume. It is available. There is a new book. There is a new series and there is a new podcast called Strawberry Fields, which I just started as well, which is about um, Spring Hill Jack, the serial killer. Oh, uh, I think I didn't. I have a book recommendation. You did. I've got it in my in my Audible. It's like I don't know, like third in line. Um, uh, So is it Stephen King's podcast, or is it? It is uh, like a uh, audio, or is it drama? Drama. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's an audio drama based on one of his short stories from the Night Shift. Anyway, so no real news though. I guess that just leaves what we're going to be our plan for the next episode. So those of you at home who are reading along, we are going to be covering, we're going to be finishing Little Sisters of Illuria sections five and six. So go ahead and wrap it up for the next episode. We hope that you're reading along and enjoying it. And hopefully maybe some of you are, this is the first time read. I know at least one person on the Facebook was like, I've never read this. So they were kind of having the same experience we are, which is a lot of fun. Listener question. All right. So last time I put a question out on the last episode as well as post it, put it in the Facebook group. Um, did not get a lot of feedback. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to try that one more time to see if people in the audience want to email in your answers. Otherwise, maybe we'll just stick with uh, the Facebook group. Uh, so it'll be up to you guys to decide how we move this, do this moving forward. But the question for this this episode is what's your favorite side quest story so this could be like a favorite episode of tv or a favorite book a little spinoff or you know even a chapter uh whatever the a movie some kind of story that is outside the main kind of trajectory of the like the uh, uh, like a little bit of a c plot essentially that you really enjoyed in the way that sisters of Loria does not necessarily advance our dark tower narrative but it's a little bit of a side story so, DJ, did you come up with one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, 
I, I don't know um, if you've ever been a Stargate fan. I, I have watched quite a bit of Stargate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there is an equal, I would say equally as good and also like adjacent property that is spun off from that, uh, called Stargate Atlantis. I think it is superior, but yes. Well, like, I'm not going to have that battle, but like completely enjoyable and like a great property and like literally a spinoff. This isn't like Star Trek where they have like one... (laughs) one crew going one way and like an outpost somewhere else. And they're all just like world adjacent. This is like, Nope, we spun off from this and like set two characters away to be on this other thing. <laughs> and, and it's super good. And, and if you want to buckle down and watch, I think there's 12 seasons or 11 seasons of Stargate. And, uh, there's six or seven seasons of, stargate atlantis uh-huh. uh so you could you could literally uh clog up uh at least two or three months worth of delta variant <laughs> just enjoying the main trunk and the spinoff trunk <laughs> and then there's like probably i think there's an- another couple of crappier ones that spun off from that so yeah there, there was what, what was the really depressing one uh stargate Universe? universes yeah that one was grim dude i could not get into that one um so stargate atlantis also first place i ever saw jason momoa awesome okay cool that's a totally great uh spinoff all what right. about you all right so my spinoff is actually a video game it is called the uh uncharted the lost legacy and it is a spinoff from the uncharted series have you ever played any of those games no i haven't okay well they're very um raiders of the lost ark essentially so is it like a rpg or is it um no it's like a third person action game action adventure they're pretty okay, so great. Like, sort of Tomb Raider-ish? Yeah, like when the first one came out, they called it Dude Raider. Dude Raider? So, so the answer to that is yes. But it, it's definitely kind of gotten its own identity. It's um, it's a really excellent series. It has, like, it's kind of weird because it's one of those cases where your hero who's like this, like, kind of um, charming jokester is like a mass murderer because you just, like, kill so many people in that game but but that aside i mean that's a video game thing right uh but uncharted lost legacy was originally released meant to be released as dlc but ultimately got to be a standalone game and it takes two of the side characters from the uncharted series chloe who is this treasure hunter that's introduced in uncharted 2 and nadine who is a mercenary who uh was introduced in uncharted 4 and makes them team up for this side quest basically to track down the tusk of ganesh it's all very very like indiana jones style and you know as a total indiana jones head of course i loved it uh but also it's what makes it really cool is it's a fun action adventure game with really cool set pieces and all the stuff that you expect from an uncharted game but it also is this really incredible story about these two women who start off as kind of in an alliance of convenience and necessity and then over the course of the game as they're sort of traveling and fighting and solving these puzzles they they develop this really beautiful friendship and i found myself just getting so invested i liked them in their sort of side character they both are sort of bad guys in their movie or in their games not necessarily because they're bad people but their 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 priorities did not align with nathan drake's let's just say so it was kind of great to get to see them from a different perspective where 
you're on their side. And then to see these women who kind of have been in situations where they don't feel like they can connect to other people and trust other people because they're forced, they're kind of pushed together by circumstances, kind of get over that and develop these really beautiful friendship is it's just great. I, it made me really wish it was not a one-off and that it just like spun off into its own series or franchise. And who knows, maybe someday it will. Um, but but yeah, it was it, to me, it was a really excellent surprise. And I feel like it gets lost in the whole Uncharted shuffle. And now like next generation, you know what I mean? Like everything has advanced so much that I feel like people are going to forget about it. But if you, you can probably pick it up for so cheap, you should definitely grab it. It's a short game. It's really great. It is uh, developed by Naughty Dog who did like last for uh, The Last of Us and mm-hmm. and like their sort of their oeuvre is really powerful emotional storytelling like oh my god last of us 2 devastating so amazing and i think the lost legacy is really the first case where they like it's almost like a proof of concept where they're like okay let's lead with sort of narrative and like relational sort of drama inside an action game and they really nailed it with that and then now you see how incredible it is with the last of us series but anyway lost legacy if you never played it, it's fucking great. Great side quest. Definitely, definitely a hard recommend. Was there a... Uh, for some reason, I thought there was like an Uncharted movie. The, I'm, they're making an Uncharted movie. So oh, okay, it's been okay. in development for a billion to years and like has had 5,000 different directors. And like, unfortunately, Mark Wahlberg remains connected to it. At one point, he was going to be Nathan Drake. Now he's going to be Sully, who's sort of like the mentor character, but that should absolutely have been... Um, uh bruce campbell like it's ridiculous that it's not because the character is bruce campbell in the games um wait it's literally bruce campbell in the games i I mean well i mean the thing is if you go back and play the first uncharted game it Mm -hmm. is nathan fillion and bruce campbell like it's so i mean it's not but you can tell they modeled the characters after them to the point where there is a fan film where nathan fillion plays nathan drake Really? Yeah, because so anyway, but the point is great franchise, great spinoff, big recommendation. Anyway, so let's see what the listener says. We got a couple of answers on Facebook. James says the Sandman story of death by Neil Gaiman. I am so ashamed of myself. I've still not read Sandman. Really? Yeah, I know. I've had it. I even there's like a really great, supposedly great, um, like audio drama adaptation on audible that has been sitting in my wish list forever. And I, I just like have not pulled the trigger on it. I've almost pulled the trigger on it so many times, but things keep cutting in line, cutting in line. It's so good. <sighs> okay. So you, w- should I swap Sandman and, and Spring Hill Jack in my, my order of book reading? Should I, should I there is literally no question about which order that should happen in. Okay. All right. Well, then <laughs> um, Well, I love Spring Hill Jack. Like that story is good, but it's no Neil Gaiman story. Okay. Um like one is like a pretty decent um history future thing yeah. with like, you know, old London and old timiness, Sounds but awesome. like the other one is like and I can move in and out of all these things and also cults and, uh, you know, everything crazy. And like, uh, yeah, he just I can't even I, I can't okay. say much about it without like spoiling a bunch of things. But like, right. that's super good. All right. Here we go. I'm doing this right now. Sandman. Yeah, it's real good. It's real good. OK, it's cutting in line. My next one was supposed to be uh, my heart is a chainsaw, but 
I think it's getting bumped. Okay. All right. Uh, so that James said, like I said, James said Sandman Side Story of Death by Neil Gaiman. James, I do not know because I have not read it, but I have just downloaded it. So I will let you know as soon as uh, I will. I will chime in as soon as I have consumed it. Tim <laughs> says, does the chapter in the stand written from Kojak the dog's point of view count? Sure. Why not? <laughs> I think Rogue One. Oh, this is a good answer. Here we go. I think Rogue One might be my favorite side story. It is not necess- a necessary piece of the Star Wars saga, I suppose, but it still manages to be the best Star Wars film since the 1980s. You know what? That is a really good one. Have you seen Rogue One? Uh, that's the one with um, with the Asian girl and nope. Finn. Nope. Right. Nope. Nope. So Rogue One takes place. It's it's the stealing of it's like a heist movie that is the stealing of the uh, plans for the Death Star. Death Star. Thank you. I'm like my bl- brain is blank. Yeah. So it takes place prior to return of the jedi or no wait is this the one where like at the end they're dancing with ewoks so this one takes place before the the original series so like or i don't remember where which one do they blow up the death star is it the first one it's not empire strikes back because empire strikes back because they blow up the death star so it's the first one so now i gotta like go check rogue rogue one takes place is the in the timeline of the movies takes place before uh new hope Okay. Yeah. I recognize these faces. Yeah. Yep, I recognize the captain. Uh-huh. Um Yeah, I've seen this. I just don't remember. It's just like It's like to me the saddest Star Wars for sure. The end is so grim but correct, you know, like it, it needed to be pretty sad. Um but the, it also has the scene where like Darth Vader just starts mowing through people. It's fucking amazing. So so yes, Tim, I think that is an excellent example of a great side story and i have a lot of feelings about the extended universe uh dj so what do you say what do you say we talk about that in our our in our extended, extended universe of <laughs> the extended episode does that sound interesting sounds to you? wonderful i i can't wait to find out what kind of special nerd i've been talking to all this time <laughs> brace yourself it's about to get nerdy because i have a lot of feelings <laughs> all right awesome so these were great we didn't get a lot of answers this time but i do feel like the answers we got were awesome um and i love we love hearing from you guys so i'm gonna try this one more time where i include the question here on the show as opposed to just putting on the facebook i will also put it on the facebook but i want to include as many people as possible and give everybody an opportunity to respond so the question for this uh for our next episode is going to be since we learned a little bit about the nature of our sister little sisters our spidery little sisters i'm gonna be super bummed if those habits come off and it's just spider body underneath (laughs) i have a feeling because i mean you can hide a lot under a habit you know what i'm saying why are they in yeah that's that's a habit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they have a habit of hiding things i don't like it so my question for you is what is your favorite unique unconventional spin on the vampire lore Conventional spin on the vampire. Yeah, board. I don't have to answer this now, right? Oh no, absolutely not. Okay, this okay. Is for the next, you have two weeks to think about it, Deej. <laughs> Do some googling. Do some binging. <laughs> Here, let me bing that for you. Like what? <laughs> Who are you? What do you do with the real person? Right, nerd. That's how you. That's how you can pick out the androids. The sensor using bing. 
<laughs> all right so that is it for us i think uh if you want to drop us a line please do so at cassifcaw at zombiegirls g-r-r-l-z.com uh, or you can join the facebook group and chat with us there if you are enjoying the show please leave us a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods if you're looking for something scary tonight you know what to do head over to the zombie girls website and check out our vod and streaming calendar for all the spooky doings that are available for streaming and if uh you wanna floss out a little bit look extra sexy check out our merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch we got some cool t-shirts maybe some new ones coming soon we shall see and if you love the show and you want more of the show including our star wars talk (laughs) then you should definitely join our patreon at patreon.com forward slash slash zombie girls uh where you'll get all of our extended episodes and uh at, at i can't remember which tier it is but you can join our discord and come hang out with us and share your thoughts with us directly and see all of our pet photos and all of our memes and maybe a lot of pet photos and dj i hope you put repost those that picture the pictures that you did of your friend in the, in the zombie girls thing. it's so funny you gotta show that it's hilarious. all right all right i'm on it i'm on it okay good <laughs> um so yeah you definitely want to be a part of that and i think that's it if people want more of you where can they find you on the internet Deej? Uh, well, they can swing over to deadlander.com and check out the Dead Lantern podcast, which I am a part of. Um, and you can go to Twitter and I think One Lone Dork and, and DSLR Film Noob or me. Um, that's pr- pretty much it. A muffin spank on Etsy occasionally when I get creative vibes going. Uh, I've been kind of just sticking around Rachel's territory lately. So that's about it. Uh, Rachel, did you already say where you've been found? Well, you can find me on the Zombie Girls podcast where we review horror from a feminist perspective. You can find me on More Deadly where we review horror films directed exclusively by women identified directors. And you can find me on the Stream Queens where we review horror films that are directed. Horror films that are you can uh, watch on various streaming services. If you're a Nick Cage head, you should definitely check out the Untitled Nick Cage Show, where myself and Larry are going back through the great Nicolas Cage's uh, filmography, starting from the very beginning. We just <clears throat> we just recorded an episode of Valley Girl, which should be out by the time this comes out. So if you want to see peak Nick Cage and his like broody sexy phase, you should definitely check out that movie and listen to our discussion of it. And then finally, just a little plug for Ariel, who is my co-host on More Deadly and Zombie Girls, was recently a guest over on Bloody Good Horror, which is a long-running, much-loved, by myself especially, uh, horror podcast. They reviewed the new Candyman movie. And if you enjoyed that, you can go a little further back, a couple of episodes where you can hear these dulcet tones again, where I joined them to review Spiral, the book of saw so (laughs) you should definitely check that as well and uh you know hit subscribe all that good stuff yep that's it for me dj take us out thanks for listening to another exciting episode of the castica where our dingle bells get dingle gooshed (laughs) you good night Thanks, everybody, for listening, and to my co-host, DJ, for making me laugh and for indulging all of my tinfoil hat conspiracies. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show was created by DJ. Okay, it's done. Sorry, someone is drag racing. Oh, God. Yeah, I I have one of those, too.
<laughs> he's the I think yeah. it's the guy up like three houses down with the I love sluts uh bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah. Cool, bro. Cool. Like, oh, nice. I didn't know you were a douche when you were drag racing up and down my street, but now I do. <laughs> Confirm. He's like, just in case you forgot, like I've got this extra, you know, placard that I wear. I have this fan you know. fiction where it's actually this little old lady that that thought it said I love slots and she's just like a huge Vegas <laughs> fan <laughs> she has no idea that she's running around with an i love sluts bumper sticker she just thinks she's letting people know she's good at the penny slots <laughs> but considering the rest that of the actually, bumper stickers are like spread eagle ladies i'm pretty sure uh it's not my my fan fiction is definitely fiction. <laughs> uh all right let's talk about star wars that's my lead into the star wars thing all right yeah let's lean into the star wars thing <laughs> <laughs> 